are finishing up our series called Freedom Series. Turn to the person next to you and say, Freedom. No, no, come on, yell, yell at them like you're in a movie. Freedom! No. <laughs> our key scripture for the whole series was out of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I've explained that week after week. <clears throat> it almost seems like an oxymoron, right? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Um, but I, actually, what the writer of Galatians is trying to point out to us is that Jesus didn't just come to the earth just so you could get to go to heaven. He came to earth so that not only do you have a way back to the Father through him, for he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ, but he also came to earth so that you could be free, that you could be free from depression, that you could be free from addictions, so that you could be free from this old wicked world system and the, ba- and, and, and the loss of, of enjoyment and, and fun, and Jesus came to set you free so you could have life and life more abundantly. So in this series, if you've missed out on it, go back and watch some of the videos from the last few services. We started with the greatest freedom that I was believing for, for you, and that is that you would get free from the lies. Satan is a disseminator of lies. That's what he does. And every one of us have lies that we have believed, and we need to get free from them because it's in that space of those lies that the forces of evil can dominate and actually generate unbelief, doubt, fear, anxiety, worry. And then we went from there and we began to kind of teach you and coach you on the fleshly appetites that we've got to get free from. We all have a flesh. Everybody say amen. We all have a flesh. Say amen. We all have a sin nature that we're trying to crucify every day. Every morning I wake up and I crucify the flesh. The problem is that it starts pulling itself back off throughout the day and learning to crucify those fleshly appetites and get free from them. And if, uh, and if that bears witness with you and you missed out on that teaching, go back and get that. And then last week we talked about curses, not about how you curse people out when you drive down the highway, because you don't do that, you're believers, you love Jesus. But the curses that have been spoken over you, that you have engaged in because of, because of wrong behavior before the Lord, because of maybe disobedience or your grandparents, or what, and we were breaking generational curses. And I promise you, listen to me, we is, we're all of this culminating that if you will come this Friday night at 7 p.m. into this room right here at our Cedar Hill campus, we're going to lay hands and seal the deal on every one of these pieces of freedom. Amen. Our pastors and leaders have been praying. They've been fasting. And this will be a great, great time of, of a transition from you out of, out of some broken places into fresh freedom. There's a QR code on the screens right now. You can pull out your phone, and that will take you to registering for our encounter because I don't want you just showing up without a little extra teaching. So I've made a couple little videos to kind of tell you what's going to happen. Now, if you're like me, I, I, um, I have been in a lot of different churches, um, probably a little bit more than you because I've, I've ministered around the world. And the scariest thing to do is to walk into a group of people wondering what they're about to do. Especially when they start talking about freedom and that kind of stuff. Are you going to push me? Are you going to yell at me in tongues real loud? What you about to do? And so what I want to do is I want to prep you on what you, what you can know, to, what you can believe it's going to experience Excuse me. So you can know what, we're, what you're going to experience here, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. And that way, if you go, ooh, Pastor, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm just barely, I just got a Bible yesterday, so let's hold off a little bit. And uh, that, awesome, because I never want to push people into something that they're not ready for. Are you with me? Say yes. And so that's good, Pastor. And say, thank you, Pastor. And today, as we jump into our final piece, we've titled this one, Strongholds. Everybody say, Strongholds. Our key verse for today's teaching is out of 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verse 3 through 4. 
Read along with me in your Bible or on the screen. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, say the word with me, strongholds. Try it again. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? What is that? What's it talking about? Well, we're talking about demonic forces and the powers that they have. Uh, And the stronghold would typically be a military term. Maybe you've seen some of these movies, uh, these war movies or something where there is the enemy, uh, where where the, you know, the, the good you know, guys are trying to climb the mountain or they're trying to break in and, 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 and defeat the enemy, but they've got a stronghold. They've got a position of power, a, a position of power where, where they have the, um, the upper hand, if you will. They've bunkered down. They have, they have fortified themselves and what it takes to try to get them out and what has transpired in a lot of folks' lives is that the enemy has gotten strongholds, places in you that are strongholds where Jesus is trying to break through, but you and I need to partner with him a little bit better. And uh, years ago, uh, just to kind of illustrate this a little bit, years ago, uh, Jamie and I were buying different houses and things like that, and we were, it was during the economic downturn, and so there were a lot of foreclosures and so we had our realtor bring us uh, to a couple of different houses. And one day she goes, hey, you want to look at this one? Um, it, it, the, the bank only wants, um, as a foreclosure, like 250000 The house was, was built for like $1.5 million. We were like, let's look at it. And so we rolled up to this house, and um, the realtor got out. And we met her there at the front of the house. And as we walked up um, to the front door, um, in those days, I think it's more digitized now, there was a little box on the doorknob and you punch in the button and all of a sudden it opens up and she's got a key. And so as she's putting the key in the deadbolt and unlocking it, all of a sudden the door flies open and there's a man standing there going, what are you doing? And, uh, and the realtor was taken back. I was taken back and, uh, and cause I'm right up there in the middle of all of it. And he goes, what are you doing? And she goes, well, this, this house is for sale. I'm a realtor. I'm showing these people the house. He goes, this house isn't for sale. This is my house. Get out of here. And she goes, uh, hold on a second, wait a minute, what do you mean? And she's pulling out her paperwork, like there's a sign out front, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, get out of here uh, before I call the police. And he slams the door and, and locks it. And so we kind of walk off a little bit. And as we're walking away, it hits us. Wait a minute, this house does not belong to that person. And as, as, as he was shutting the door, I, I, I saw down through the windows, and all, there, were no, there was not a lick of furniture, but he had a little mattress with an ice chest, come on somebody, and some candles next to the ice chest. What this man was, anybody know the term? Squatter. This man was a squatter, and there's a law in the Texas books, if they squat for a certain amount of time, they actually can take possession of it. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And what the enemy wants to do is squat in what belongs to you and what belongs to the Lord. And so what did we have to do to get the squatter out? We had to call some authorities with some power to come through and run that thing out. Are you with me? Say yes. And so that's what we're going to do today. I want to take you to Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. Now, if you'll just give me a little bit of time to unpackage this and don't shut me out because you hear the word demons and freak out and worry about that. Let me just kind of put some things in perspective, and I think it'll help you. Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. We're going to read a whole bunch of verses. Is that okay? Can we read the word of God in in, in the house of, of gathering of believers? Say yes. Amen. It says, they went across the lake to the region of the garrisons. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit, everybody say evil spirit, came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. Check that word, anymore. So obviously he he hadn't been as bad before. 
He had obviously had been, um, this thing had been progressing, if you will, not even with a chain, for he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You talk about misery. This poor man is being tormented. Verse six, when he saw Jesus from a distance. Now, pay attention to this. It doesn't even say that Jesus saw him. This man saw Jesus from a distance. He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Now, the next verse is kind of switch what actually happened chronologically just by the way of writing. So pay attention to that with me. He says, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. So what had transpired is once the man comes running down and throws himself at the feet of Jesus, Jesus recognized that he's got some evil strongholds happening, and he says, come out of him in the name of Jesus. Then the demons speak out, and they say, don't torture us. Jesus would never torture a man or a human. Come on, somebody. It's the demons that are speaking out, and Jesus continues on. And he says to him, he says, um, he asks him, uh, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. So the demons begin to speak out. And I know this sounds like a horror movie that you watch that you shouldn't have watched, but anyway, nonetheless, this is real life. And so Jesus has this engagement with this poor man who's got demons inside of him, and they call themselves Legion. Now, a legion was a military term that the Romans used to represent 6,200 and something troops. So, so 6,000 plus men would make up a legion, if you will. So obviously, and it continues on to say, for we are many. There's a bunch of us up in her. We got a bunch of demons up inside of this man. Are you with me? Say yes. And so he said, he said, verse 10, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. So the demons are crying out, don't send us out of the area. And a large, verse 11, a large herd of pigs uh, was feeding on the nearby hillside. Verse 12, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. He gave the demons permission to come out of this man and go into the pigs. And it says, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. I just want to point out something, that animals can have demons. And if you don't believe that, go ahead and get you one of them Siamese cats for just a couple of weeks and see what happens. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, I'm kind of being silly, but that's not completely silly. All right. And so it says in verse 13, he gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Verse 14, those tending the pigs, pause and just put yourself in that moment. Now, pointing out that this is a Gentile area, region, uh, where uh, um, we're pretty much occupied by a bunch of Gentiles, not Jews, because Jews do not eat pork, and so Jews do not have anything to do with pigs. There's no Jewish people watching these pigs. This is a group of Gentiles, and they're just standing there minding their own business. They got 2,000 pigs out there rooting up stuff, and all of a sudden the pigs go, and start taking off down them thing and kill themselves. They had 2,000 suicidal pigs in one moment, and all of a sudden their business is gone. Are you with me? That's floating bacon all out in the water. And all of a sudden, I mean, ham sandwiches are <laughs> with a little bit of extra uh, pond water. It says, those tending the pigs ran off. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. 
ran off and reported this in the town, in the countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. All the people in the surrounding area is like, you've got to be kidding me. What just happened? Now, think about it. They don't have uh, social media and news outlets. This is the hottest thing that's happened in probably 10 years. And so they're all going out to check this thing out, right? Like, oh, my goodness. It's like when the house down the road is on fire. Everybody goes out to watch it. Okay. And watch the fireman put it out. It says, and they, and it says, it, it, let me see, verse 15. When they came and saw, G, uh, came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, come on, somebody, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because everything they knew to be true has now just changed. They knew, oh, crazy Kevin. This old crazy Kev is who this is. Oh, crazy Kev, he was crazy in junior high. Crazy Kev got worse in high school. Crazy Kev had to get kicked out of high school. He's so crazy. Now he's, and now he's on so much drugs. He's living up under bridges. Come on, you with me? That every time they call the police to try to help old crazy Kev, they can't subdue him anymore. They had gotten him in a halfway house for a little bit. But now this joker's living out in the graveyard, cutting himself, howling like, well, and uh, manifest and demons all night long. This is Crazy Kev. Everybody knows about Crazy Kev. Crazy Kev is the talk of the city. Everybody knows about old Crazy Kev. Don't go at night. Ba- baby, listen, don't you go down to that, don't you go down to that, uh, that, that, that place with all them tombs over there because Crazy Kev live up in them tombs. You don't know what Crazy Kev going to do. Crazy Kev, crazy. And now all of a sudden, Crazy Kev is sitting there dressed in his right mind holding a conversation. And they're, and it says literally it scared them. They were afraid. Verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus, please leave us. We don't understand this. Please, we don't understand this kind of power and this kind of transformation. Can I tell you something? If you're not careful, you'll get used to the demonic having control over your life and the lives of those around you. So that when Jesus finally steps in, you get scared of it. Like, I don't know. I don't want to deal with this. But I want you to know, Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. This is what he said. He said, I came to bring deliverance to my people. I came to bring truth and freedom to you because it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So here's my big, my big takeaway. Don't be scared of what Jesus is trying to do in our lives. Are, are you with me? Say yes. Don't you let a stronghold occupy your life or your family's life. Let you and I get some freedom in this place and let us go on in our right mind, fully dressed in the way we're supposed to be, fully overcoming all the things we're supposed to be overcoming. And here's how I would teach you a little bit about the truths of these demonic forces and these demonic strongholds. Write these down. Here's a couple truths from the Bible. Number one, demons are real. They're real. Demons are mentioned 82 times in the King James Version. Over 80 times in all the other versions. 61 times in the Gospels where Jesus was dealing directly with the demons. You say, well, Pastor, what are demons? Demons are fallen angels. If you read through the scripture, you see that Satan, Lucifer, had this moment where he thought he was going to rise up against God. And he tricked um, one-third of the angels into following him. Not only was Satan, but all of those angels with him were cast out into, in, 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 into the spiritual realm. And in that place, they took on, in all of their wickedness, these wicked attitudes and forms against the Heavenly Father. Are you with me? Say yes. And as a result, these demons have such 
Um, they, have, they have supernatural power that we give them. They cannot have power over you if you don't give them that power. Are you with me? Say yes. C.S. Lewis said it's like this. There are two groups of people that Satan loves and gets excited over. Number one, the skeptic, and number two, the, super spirit, the superstitious. And I find that in the church all the time. There are those that, boy, look, the fact that I even mentioned that we're talking about demons and strongholds today, well, ooh, I don't know if I believe in that, Pastor. I don't know if I believe in And there are others that are like, it's about time. Let's get into the deep stuff. And some of you find yourself over in this camp where everything's a demon, you know? We kind of grew up in a camp like that for a season. I mean, listen, if you were overweight, you had a fat demon on you. If you, uh, if you struggled with liking sugar too much, you had a sugar demon. I mean, we were casting out, de- we cast demons out of chairs. We got so weird and all that kind of stuff. Got way over here. Oh, you cough. You got a cough demon. Come out, cough demon. And then what happens is swing way over here, and nothing's a demon. Everything's the flesh. And I, and I, and I love that Jack Hayford said, you can't cast out the flesh, and you can't disciple a demon. And so the question is, it, is it, are we, do, we need, do we need to have more about demons or do we have, need to have more about just discipleship? We need both. Are you with me? Say yes. We need to get right down in the middle. We don't go looking for demons, but we're not going to let them hang out inside of us or inside anybody else around us. Are you tracking? Say yes. So here's the second truth that I see in the Holy Scriptures about demons, and that is they, de- they desire to control humans. This poor man, can you imagine being his mama? Can you imagine being his mama, what he's going through? Can you imagine being his family? And everybody laughs about old crazy Kev. What started out probably is, is just some, some mental difficulties, a little mental health issues. And, and the forces of evil got into that space and began to dominate him. They want to control. They want to control. And so I tell people all the time that, um, that if you've got a dark place, you've got an area that you, can't, you just can't get control over, and it's beyond you know, crucifying your flesh. And you say, Pastor, I just, I can't stop being addicted to this. I can't stop being addicted to porn. I can't stop being, I, I just can't stop having these murderous thoughts. And friend, we may be dealing with a stronghold. And the reason why I say that is because I don't want you to live bound up with stuff and you can't be who God wanted you to be and who God made you to be. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So that brings us to a question. Can a Christian have a demon? <clears throat> and the answer is yes, it is. And you say, oh, wait a minute. I thought I was bought and paid by, by the blood of Jesus. You are. You are owned by Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Say yes. In fact, that's what Romans chapter 14 and 8 says. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. As believers, we belong to the Lord. But a force of evil can get down into your soul, get down into some spots that you've allowed them to have control over and begin to control you. But it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. You and I don't have to linger in that space. We don't have to be controlled in that area. And so what we found, and Dr. Summerall, Dr. Les Summerall explained it like this. Let me read this to you. He taught that when you persistently engage in a particular area, talking about a Christian, of sinful behavior, you give access to the demonic spirits behind that sin. So you continue to give yourself over to perversion, to perversion, to perversion, till at some point a demon steps in and says, a spirit of perversion steps in and says, I got control over you now. They'll step into that space because you continue to give yourself over and over and they come into this area of your soul. You've given them complete legal right to live there through your choice of disobeying God and continued in that sin habit. Once this occurs, you become bound 
So you've given yourself over that same sin. You've got that bit, I will not forgive her. I will not forgive her. I will not forgive her. Friend, can I tell you something? That enemy wants to get in. That spirit, that spirit of hatred wants to get inside of you because of that thing that you won't forgive and it starts dominating before you know it. You are so bound up that the moment their name is mentioned, you start sweating. You start having these thoughts of murder or whatever it may be. Why? Because you now have a stronghold. And the enemy's got in that space, and, and what he's done is he's, put, he's, he's surrounded himself with all kinds of walls, and, then they, and every time you hear truth about it, it just bounces off of it. Why? Because you will not come to the place. You say, you know what, Lord? If I've got something that's holding me back from being like you, Lord God, then I want to be free from it. The greatest thing you could ever do is say, you know what? I refuse to have strongholds in my life. I refuse to give any power of Satan over to, into my life. Frank, when you grew up not knowing Christ, you loved all of those experiences. They made you feel good about yourself. I know before I was a Christian, I loved to steal. I loved to lie. It made me feel good. I got one over on somebody. But friend, once I became a Christian and I, re- I started being convicted about lying and things like that, if I'd have continued giving myself over to lying, it would have become a stronghold. And that, that power of the enemy would have had a dominant spot in my life. And so I could be a Christian. I could love God. I'm going to die and go to heaven, but have a stronghold in my life because I wouldn't deal with it. Are you still tracking with me? Say yes. Come on, you still love me? Say yes. There's a very famous minister, one of the most popular ministers in the 90s. And he was, um, I won't call his name out, but he had been one of my youth pastors growing up. And, uh, and then he, and he birthed the church and, and exploded. And he was known, he was always on Christian television, just a big name minister. And everyone knew who he was. And everyone was trying to model their churches after his church. You know, tens of thousands of people uh, in his church. And, um, and then I'll never forget when the news media reported that he had been caught in a homosexual relationship and they were doing drugs together. And it was just this horrific thing. I mean, this was a hero to me. This was one of these men of God that I was like, there's no way. And as they, of course, they pulled him out of ministry and it was humiliating and embarrassing, lost half the church, all these horrible things transpired as a result. And when they finally in counseling were sitting with him, this is what he said. There was a dark place in my soul that I didn't know how to deal with. He's healing the sick. He's praying for people. Miracles are happening. He's building one of the greatest, greatest churches in America. But there was a dark place in his soul he said he didn't know how to deal with. What was that? That was a stronghold. Forces of evil had gotten in that space. And, 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 he, and, and, and so he felt like he was two different people. And so he literally said, all I knew to do was crash the whole thing so that I could just be done with it because I was, I was losing my mind in the process. A dark place in his soul. I want you to know, the enemy wants to put dark places in your soul. Dark places. You whack one way at church, hallelujah. And then your kids go, "Uh uh-uh, she crazy. Lose her mind. Go off on things. God sent his only begotten son so that you could be free from strongholds. He didn't leave heaven just to die on a cross so you could get to go to heaven. He left heaven because he loves you. And he became a man and dealt with the same temptations we dealt with. And he didn't give himself over to any of it. He overcame and we can overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Are you still with me? Say yes. And that brings me to this. And that is number three that I understand in the Bible about strongholds and demonic forces. Jesus set people free from demonic strongholds. That's what he did. Matthew 8 and 16. When evening came. Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. 
Matthew 9 and 32, as they were going away, a man who could not talk and, and was demon-possessed was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, the man was, uh, who had been mute spoke. The crowds were amazed and said, never has anything like this been done in all of Israel. Jesus spent a majority of his earthly ministry setting people free from demonic strongholds. One of the key components of the forces of evil is to deceive us. And one of the greatest things I could ever give you as a truth is why would you and I let an area of our life have a squatter living in it that should not be there? It doesn't make you bad. I, I, I don't think anyone in this room is living amongst the tombs, cutting themselves and yelling. The, 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 in it, the legion, so many demons had gotten into this man that it had full control. In fact, I would point you back that he runs and he falls at the feet of Jesus. Who runs and falls at the feet of Jesus? Not the demons. That man wanted help so bad that from a distance he saw Jesus and he takes off running. Every demon in hell is like, don't go do that. Don't, don't go to church. Don't let them lay hands on you. Don't let them pray for you. Don't you dare do that. This is weird. Just stay out here. And that man said, no, I've got to have freedom from this area. I will not be controlled any longer. I want freedom. And he ran to Jesus and Jesus said, come out. And when they came out, that man was restored to the plan that God had for his life, sitting in his right mind, clothed, and able to have articulate conversations. Can I tell you something? You have no idea what the strongholds have kept you from becoming, who God plans you to be, things that you have missed out on because you've got a stronghold of fear, things that you have missed out on, on your purpose and your calling because you have a stronghold of bitterness or hatred or addiction to something. Get, friend, can I tell you something? Let us not live in the strongholds have control in our life. Let us live as free men and women. Are you with me? Say yes. Which brings me to number four. Stay with me. Number four, here's the fourth biblical truth that I see, and that is through Jesus, we can demolish strongholds. Back to our key verse, for we are, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You do not have to live bound. I'm telling you, as a young minister, I realized I had a stronghold in my life, an area, and I determined I am not going to live bound to that. It will not destroy the ministry. It will not destroy the purpose and calling of my life. It's not going to destroy my family. And, friend, let me tell you something. I fell at the feet of Jesus, and I walked through freedom. And I want to give you a couple thoughts on how you get freedom. Would you write these down for me? Number one, go to Jesus. I appreciate therapists. I appreciate counselors. But you need to go to Jesus. When it comes to strongholds and forces of it, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Humble yourself. Throw yourself at, on your knees before him and say, Jesus, you and you alone can fix me and help me and heal me and deliver me. Are you there? Say yes. <clears throat> Come on. Are you still there? Say yes. Here's the second thing I would teach you to do, and that is repent. Repent. In other words, Jesus, in this area, I've been on the side of Satan, but I repent. I don't want to be on that side anymore. I want to be on your side. Repentance is to say, I repent, I turn from that, and I'm coming to your side, Jesus. I know that this thing has been my go-to thing. I know that it's been that little hidden thing in my soul that nobody really knows about. But Jesus, I repent right here and right now. Years ago, I had, when I was a youth minister, <clears throat> had this gal in our youth ministry. We had a really large youth ministry. And I believed then, just like I believe now, that every member is a minister. See, two of you believe that with me. See, I don't believe in what's happened since the 1800s that somehow that there are the special group of people that went to schooling to be able to be a minister. As the scriptures tells me, I am simply to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You are a minister. 
where how your income gets to you, whatever you do, for, but ministry is what comes out of us because people are dying and going to hell and hurting and we are all ministers. We all have a right straight to the Father. There is no priest between us and God. There's no minister. We gotta get to the pastor. No, you need to get to Jesus and Jesus and his power flows through you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead flows through you. So that's why I'm always looking at you. Hey, I need you to be a minister. Hey, I need you to be a minister. Well, the problem with that is some of you have that old ideology that the only way you're a minister is if you get licensed, if you get ordained. And then, and then what you think a minister is is standing up on this pulpit and preaching at people. That's not ministry. I'm equipping you is what I'm doing. But you, what ministry is is taking people under your wing and loving them and helping them and growing with them. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know a whole lot. You know more than he does. Minister to him. You know more than he does. He said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so scared. That's what I'm saying, strongholds. So I had this young lady in our youth ministry. She was 19 years old. Well, she needed to leave the youth ministry because it's for youth, and you're now a 19-year-old, second year in college. Love this girl. So you ever had that kid, that person, just, you just like them. Like every time you get around them, they just, they just make everybody, everybody likes them. Everybody, and I kept for two years, I said, I said sweetheart, you're about to graduate. We're going to have to move you into the, into the young adult ministry unless you help us with the youth. Now, if you want to help serve in the youth, you want to help us minister to youth, then, 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 I, then I want you to stay with me. Oh, pastor, I just can't. I just can't do it. I just can't. And the moment I start talking to her, this fear, you'd see it overtake her. She gets this look in her eyes. And so year after year, I kept trying to encourage her to step into her calling to minister to people. Fear would overtake her. And I'll never get one particular Wednesday night. She came up to me, whatever the teaching on, was on, and she said, Pastor, I just, I just hadn't told anybody this, but I have these horrible times in the night where I think someone's going to kill me. She says, I have these murderous dreams throughout the night. Pastor, I don't, want, I don't know. What, could you help me? I said, sure. I got a bunch of the ladies over. We prayed for her, commanded it to loosen and let her go in Jesus' name. She came back the next Wednesday. She said, it didn't stop. It's still murders and power, and I'm scared to go places by myself that I might get killed and so forth. We prayed for her again. This went on for three weeks. Finally, at the end of three weeks, I said, come here. Come here. Something ain't working here. And this ain't no, you know, elixir. I'm not, we're not, some concoction, try this, drink this. No, no. The power of God works. Jesus loves you. So what's the problem? I said, and all of a sudden I had this word just like I had earlier today. I said, sweetheart, do you watch horror movies? And when I said that, she got excited. She goes, yeah, I've seen them all. I've seen them all. I mean, I mean, uh, Jason, and he kills everybody. And then the blood coming down. And I'm like, there's your problem. You have opened up a door, and the demons of horror and fear have now got into your life and have a stronghold over you, sweetheart. And I'm telling you right now, you need to repent. Because in your repentance, saying, Lord, I am so sorry. I gave myself over to this. Look how it's affecting you. You see these 10 girls? I begged you to care for these 14-year-old girls. They love you. Look at them. They follow you around every Wednesday night. And you won't lead them because you're scared. And that fear is from this place of all this horror stuff. And that's why you're having dreams and nightmares. And you can't, can't sleep through the night. And so you're missing some of your classes. At, at, you know, she was at LSU. I said, you're missing classes and stuff. You're complaining about all that. It's because you got that. If you will repent right now, we will call for deliverance. And this thing will loose you and let you go. She goes, you're right. She falls down on her knees, starts repenting. All the girls come over. We lay hands. We command it to loose her and let her go. Gone. Gone. There was no ah anything like there were no pigs running off down into the uh, into the river or anything like that. She just gone just through prayer and it wasn't even this big release or anything. She just was like in Jesus' name and it was over. And can I tell you, she was one of the best 
small group leaders I ever knew. She loved girls in a way because she was called and anointed and appointed. But the stronghold was keeping her from that. Which brings me to the third thing. Number one, you need to go to Jesus. Number two, you need to repent. Number three, you need to revoke the demon's rights. You need to revoke the demon's rights. You do that verbally by saying, you know what? I may have participated in that and I may have given you the right to stay in my house, but I did not give you the right to take over my house. Get out of my house. Get out of my, I got Jesus with me. Don't make him, don't make him flex on you. Don't make him flex on you. You need to get up out of, out of my house. Get up out of my life in this area. I know I gave into it. I know I, I allowed that because I was, you know, I just was going through a tough time. And, but this thing has now started into an area. And this is how you know that you have a stronghold. It's an area that you can't control anymore. This is how you know it's a demonic stronghold. It's an area that you can't control anymore. Before you could like, oh, you know, <laughs> I repent and it's okay. But now you can't control it. And you find yourself being, being driven. You find yourself out of control in that area. Like, I don't have control, Pastor. It's like, it's almost like someone, it's like you're looking out of the window and someone else is driving the bus. It's like someone else in, has power in this area and you don't have power over it anymore. Which brings me again to, so number one, uh, then you need to re- revoke that. Take back that, Lisa. I take back the power that I gave. I revoke your right to be here in my life. I revoke, I revoke your right to stand around here and push me and do this. In Jesus' name, I revoke your right. And then the third thing I would teach you to do, excuse me, fourth thing I would teach you to do to find freedom, and that is remodel. Remodel your soul. What do you mean by that? Take out that old stuff and put in some new stuff. That's why I started going to prayer meetings. That's why I started memorizing Bible scripture. Because I had all this other stuff that I had participated in that opened the door that got those strongholds inside of me. I rebuked them. I, re, I, I repented of them. And I, and I revoked their right. And that's beautiful. The Bible talks about how the house is set in order and clean. But if you don't fill that house, if the Holy Spirit didn't come and fill that space. And so that's when I started going on a journey. I want to move in the gifts. I want to, be, I want to do what the, power, what the Bible says I can do. I can heal the sick. I can raise the dead. I started going out street witness. And I just started, I started leading small groups. I just started saying, you know what? I'm going to remodel the house. It's not going to look like what it used to look like. And I started remodeling those things, remodeling my soul. I had a young lady one time. She, she, uh, she, we were in the middle of services. And uh, she just started manifesting demons, which we didn't have a whole lot of that. Um, just because God was so clean, quick to free people. But in the middle of worship, she'd just start screaming and fall down on the ground. And so we would grab her and we'd minister to her. And uh, this went on for week after week. They'd get her free. She literally would experience freedom. And, um, and, then, and then she would have these episodes uh, time and time again in our services. And so finally, again, I sat down with her and I said, sweetheart, uh, me and Ms. Jamie said, what is going on? And why do you keep having these episodes where literally like forces of evil are taking over you and you're screaming out like you're in pain or whatever it may be and then, then we get you free and we revoke the enemy's power to be able to do that. You get free and then you're back doing it again the next week. And she goes, I don't know, I don't know. I, and so I just felt the nudging of the Lord. Just ask her questions. So I started asking her questions and it came down to this. She's a 16-year-old. I asked her, where do you live? How do you live? Who do you live with? She goes, well, I live with my mom. But my mom um, had an accident, and she can't work. And she said, and so I said, so how do you guys finance yourself? She said, well, there are men at our home. And um, I said, okay. And she was really trying not to share everything. But bottom line was, she was expected to engage in sexual intercourse with those men so that those men would pay the bills. 
And there would be a different one for a season, a sugar daddy for a season, if you will. So we'd get her free, and she'd go back into that scenario. So you can't just say, well, be free, be free, hallelujah. So what we did, we said, right then and there, I said, you will not go back to that house. I don't care if, if they call the law on me or what. And we immediately, we moved her into a, into a, a single lady's apartment. And then we helped her get a job. We got her out of that scenario. And then we got her her own place. We had to work with her. And I think what we ended up doing was put her with a family that had an extra bedroom that could be kind of because she was still underdeveloped because she was very mature in the things of the world, but she was underdeveloped as a human, as a, as a, as a person. And so we just worked through helping her get developed and learning some skill sets, finishing up school, those kind of things, got her out of that friend. She never manifested again. We would, we would, we would revoke we would repent, but what we weren't doing in those first three or four weeks of the whole process is that we weren't remodeling. So we got her out of that situation. We got her from out of that place, and freedom came to her in a way that was almost indescribable. I don't know what you may or may not be dealing with as a stronghold, but I know the God who sets us free from every stronghold. I know the God who will not allow us to continue down dark paths. I refuse to let anyone in Hill City have a dark place in their soul that they cannot, that they cannot deal with. This is a place of freedom. This is a place of health. This is a place where we're growing. You know I push you to grow every day. Every week you come with I'm pushing you to grow a little bit more because that's what a good pastor does. And so do not because of insecurity or fear or whatever bad ideology, because you saw misappropriations of everybody manifesting at some church you went to, or because you went to another church that didn't believe in that, friend, can I tell you something? This is good, solid teaching out of the Word today. You and I have been set free by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony. We overcome. It is for freedom that Jesus has set us free. Amen. Are you with me? Stand with me quickly across the room. Now, here's what I want to do today to close out our time. To close out our time, we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to minister. I still want you to come Friday night and let our pastors and leaders pray with you and seal some things. But here's what we're going to do as we close out the Freedom Series. We're going to take communion together in this moment. I've left enough time, which the kids' ministry is so happy about, left enough time for you and I to take communion together. Let me remind you what communion is. It's a refreshing of the covenant relationship with, our, with Jesus. Communion is the time where we say, you know what, Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And when Jamie and I got married, I stood at the altar and I promised some things. I promised through health or through sickness that I'd be faithful. I promised through poverty or riches I would be there and be faithful. That's the things I promised. When you came to Christ, you said, Lord, I love you and I will follow you and I will serve you. You made some promises to but you and I both know after you've been married a few years, sometimes you need to refresh that promise. And that's what communion is. It's a refreshing of the covenant relationship, Jesus. I refresh it. And one of the key components that Paul told us to do was to examine ourselves to see if there's, in this process, if we've taken on some wickedness or, we've, or if we've rebelled against him or, or we, haven't, we haven't made some things right. You know what it is to have a relationship that there's an elephant in the room because you hadn't really dealt with some things and so for the next few moments that's what we're going to do and here's what I'm believing for you if this teaching stirred in you and you said pastor I think I got a stronghold I think as you articulated a dark place in my soul like that other pastor said years ago I think there's something like that and I gave you clear steps on how to find freedom number one we're going to go to Jesus number, number two we're, we're going to repent 
then we're going to revoke and say, you do not have this power in my life. And then what we're going to do is we're going to remodel. But as you take the communion elements, I want you to get them in your hands. And the first thing we're going to do is just kind of bow our heads right where we're at. Once you get the communion elements in your hand, and let's just, let's go before the Lord. Let's take 90 seconds, if you will, to examine ourselves. And if there's any sin, if there's any strongholds, then right there where you're at, I want you to repent. Just under your breath to your God, you and your God engage for a few moments. And I'll lead us out in that for the next couple seconds. Father, we come before you as a church family. Lord, we examine ourselves, Lord. Lord, we repent, change our mind, turn from sinful habits, disobedience to you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for changing us. We thank you for it giving yourself to us as the one and only Savior and making a way back to the Father because that precious cross Jesus we acknowledge our sinfulness we acknowledge our, our wicked ways Lord I pray for those of us that are struggling with strongholds we didn't even know how to articulate it until this message today Lord I pray right now Lord God come into agreement with brothers and sisters in this house for freedom and I declare, Lord God, what has been a stronghold, what's been a dark place where there's been an evil resident in a section or an area of their life, their soul. We rebuke it now in Jesus' name. We repent of our engagement and gave them access. We revoke their lease, if you will. I have a right to you because you did this. No, no, we revoke that. I repented of that. That's over. It's done. You don't have any power here anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for your freedom and your deliverance for us. I declare deliverance freedom from everyone in this house. I thank you, Lord God, there will not be these deep, deep wicked fears. There will not be this horror in their mind. There will not be, there'll not be these places, oh God, of addictions, strongholds that the enemy has over them. Lord God, is broken now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now, if you'll go ahead with me and peel back that first layer of plastic, it'll give you the little wafer. Holy Scripture says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he told him, he said, this is, represents my body. As often as you can, take it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for sacrificing your body to the lamb that was slain. back the next section and reveal the juice scriptures continued on to say that on that same night the last supper he took that cup that cup that was reserved on every Jewish table during the Passover it represented that one day the Messiah would take this cup it was always it was a ceremonial cup set upside down Jesus took that cup and he turned it right side up put the juice in it and he drank of it and he passed it around and said this is the juice which represents the blood that I'm going to spill for you it's going to be the ceiling. It's the ink on the covenant relationship that I make with you. It's the ink on that covenant that I will be your God. You'll be my people. He says, drink of this as often as you can in remembrance of me. You pass that little plastic to the end of the row. Our leaders will come by and pick it up. I want you to let the Lord minister to you for the next few minutes that we have. We've got about three or four more minutes. Here's what I want you to do now. I want you to lift your hands and receive. That may be different for you. 
but I want you to receive. When you were a child, you'd throw your hands up and you'd ask mom and dad for something, pick you up, hold you. Jesus, we come before you today. Lord, we, we thank you that by your stripes we are healed. So Lord, I ask for healing for men and women of Hill City that need healing in their body. I rebuke even strongholds of sickness and disease that's become their identity. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You have no longer the right. We pull back the lease. We revoke your rights. Access to our bodies in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for freedom here. A sweet freedom that comes from you. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Lord, I ask you, Lord God, for freedom, Lord God. Freedom, Lord Jesus, from those those old wicked lies. Part of the reason the enemy got in is because we believed a lie. And that gave him the the access that gave him the least power to say okay then we can we can abide in this space I rebuke the lies and Lord we rebuke you we revoke the lie and we speak truth that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free seal this freedom series even for those who watch it on video years later Lord God may there be great deliverance and freedom for them even as the word goes forth because knowing the truth will set them free and Lord your word says it was for freedom that Christ set us free now do me this favor, put, put your hand over your heart and just ask the Lord to begin to heal your heart. Begin to heal those old places where you were done wrong. People that, that lied on you, cheated on you, misappropriated pastors from the past, even if I've done something wrong to you. Just put your hand over your heart and say, Lord, help me walk in forgiveness and love and, 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 and give me a capacity. Give me a capacity to walk in joy, Jesus, would you? Would you just pray prayers like that? Maybe maybe even a parent that abandoned you. <clears throat> a parent that didn't know how to parent you. Didn't treat you with love and acceptance. Ask the Lord to heal your heart as we close out this freedom series. I'm expecting that over the next few weeks and months, you start finding yourself becoming that Mark 16 Christian. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll lay hands on sick people and they'll recover. They'll speak in new tongues. They drink any deadly poison and will not harm them. That's who we're trying to become, guys. That's who God had planned us to be. Father, I thank you, Lord. Every fear is being broken. Every insecurity is losing its power. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness over your people. I thank you, Lord. Even now, people are getting free, Lord God. Freedom is happening right now. In Jesus' name, I declare it. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. You're pulling up those dark places of the soul. Lord, that you're just healing it and bringing deliverance and freedom just like you did, Lord God, with that man in Mark chapter 5, setting us in our right minds, giving us a, a new place in the community, Lord God, reestablishing us, giving us back honor and respect in that area that we lost honor and respect in because it was a stronghold stole from us. Thank you, Lord. I just have a prophetic word for somebody. You've been told that you're stupid. You've convinced yourself that intellectually you don't have the ability to keep up with everyone else. That's a stronghold. The enemy's lied that to you and gotten that place inside of you. I break that right now in Jesus' name. You'll come into agreement with the prayers of the pastor and the prayers of the saints around you. And you are free from that. You are. You have the same capacity as the rest of us. You are smart. You are intelligent. Things that you maybe didn't pass in school, you're going to pass going forward. God has anointed you and appointed you. But that enemy has tried to steal that by getting a stronghold into an area of your life. We rebuke and command it to lose its power over you. We revoke. We revoke its lease on your life in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. 
We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond, and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.